Hey guys, welcome back to Floral Couch Conversations. I'm Emily. And I'm Alyssa. And today, today, we have another amazing guest. Our friend Richie is here. Hello, I'm here. Thanks for joining us on the floral couch that isn't quite floral. It's not floral. (laughs) The floral couch is in the basement. (laughs) There there is a floral couch, but I am disappointed that we're not sitting on a floral couch. One day, (laughs) I'll bring it upstairs. The basement's really cold, though, so we don't go down there. (laughs) We could have have a post- a post um floral couch conversation we could we could just hang out yeah perfect (laughs) what are you gonna do to make up for the fact that the floral couch has been in the basement for so many years and by so many i mean like one what do you like what do i have to make up for it's probably really sad down there that's true the other one's in your garage I'll, I'll, um, and now we're admitting to everyone that we are frauds. <laughs> <laughs> Just for a small period of time, but we'll bring it back upstairs and I'll make some Facebook events that just say hang out on the floral couch to make up to the floral couch. Okay. Sounds good. You, you could, think you it could like spill some wine on it. It'll like absorb it and oh. then it'd probably appreciate that. That's Perfect. true. Yeah. It's probably, yeah, really sober right what now. What do you think <laughs> the floral couch's favorite type of wine is? I think definitely white wine because then it doesn't have to like take a shower or anything like that afterwards. <laughs> that makes sense. I feel like you would know because you're a sommelier, right? I am. Yeah. <laughs> white wine with some floral notes. Yeah, with some floral notes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so Richie might actually, you, you've probably heard a little bit about him. His wife, Camille, was actually on the podcast quite a while ago now. Yeah, one of our... Not first few, but um, pretty early on. Probably one of our earlier episodes. So as our listeners probably remember, Camille kind of told the really cute story of how you guys ended up being married, which started in back in second grade and all of that. But um, you actually started dating while you were living in Georgia, right? Yep, exactly. Could you talk a little bit about what it was like growing up in Georgia and I guess what what we wouldn't know or... Yeah, absolutely. Um, so living in Georgia and like specifically dating Camille while I was living in Georgia <laughs> was it was it was a really fun time, actually, because I mean, it was difficult because we were long distance, but it was really fun because um, I got to travel to Minnesota a lot. Yeah. And we would we would almost never um, leave a trip like leave being together without having the next trip planned. So it was always um it was always a good thing to have like the next time we were going to see each other mm-hmm. at front of mind. So it wasn't so difficult to leave every time. I feel yeah. like that's com- like that's what you commonly hear about long distance relationships. It's like yeah. that's their advice is to have the next time you're going to see each other planned. So you have something to look forward to. Yep. Yep. Definitely. And just lots of lots of nighttime phone conversations like every single night, <laughs> which was great. I missed a couple nights and got in trouble for it growing up. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it was just, it was wonderful. Um, It was wonderful uh, dating long distance, even though it was the more difficult part of our relationship, it was still great. Um, And I think uh, it all paid off, obviously, because she's great and we're married now. So, so far, so good. So far, so good. (laughs) Is it coming on two years? No, we actually just passed two years. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we got married uh, July 29th, 2017. I'm really glad I said that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we just passed two years. Time flies. It really does. It's crazy. <laughs> I feel like we got married yesterday. And you now you just bought a house. You're like adulting so, so adult. hard. <laughs> yes. Yep. 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 The house is the house is fun. It's a it's not as many projects as I thought it would be. Like right off the bat, I was always worried about buying a house because of all the work that I'd have to go into it. Um, but this house just doesn't have a ton of projects right off the bat. I would so. like knock on wood as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, I just feel like everyone's like every homeowner is like, Oh, this is what I have to fix next. Mm-hmm. Like as someone who's currently looking at quotes for a new roof. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. But Meanwhile, my husband is like dying to buy a house just because he needs projects to do. Oh, like he wants to plant a lawn and I have a list if he wants. Well, that's why I say that to people and they're like, oh, send him on over. So 
I mean, he might take you up on it. My backyard is fair game. Do with what he pleases. <laughs> he actually might take you up on that. So just practice. The Watch only out. other people that have gardened in my backyard are my neighbors because they also are like, oh, it's pathetic. And then they just do it for me. <laughs> Didn't you have That's grapes? Awesome. The grapes are in the front, right on the steps. Speaking of wine. Yeah. You, you don't, should make some. It takes a really large amount of grapes to make wine. Like, so I've heard. <laughs> it, it does and it's not just any grape either you can't just like go get grapes at like target and make wine out of that i mean you could but it's not going to be good yeah yeah or the grapes in my front yard probably not going to work out <laughs> probably not good you should they're probably better as grapes <laughs> like as a snack we i make it into jelly and by i i mean my neighbor taught me how to make it into jelly <laughs> we went to i'd be lost without them <laughs> we went to a winery this past weekend in northern minnesota that specializes in non-grape wine what? so like their thing is that they make wine out of like pears and apples and oh. Um, Ooh. rhubarb. That's <laughs> and awesome. It was pretty good, but it was like this is basically juice. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Super sugary. Yeah, I'm like not a sweet wine person, so. But it was fun. So I ba- mean, so based on that comment, the name of the winery should remain anonymous. <laughs> Forest Edge Winery. <laughs> Forest, Ed- Forest Edge. Shout winery out. Is basically just juice, people. <laughs> I mean the That's the right. alcohol content was like twelve percent, so. There was there was alcohol in there, but you I don't taste feel it. like that's a diss by no, any not means. a diss. Just like not. I always tell people when I'm picking out beer, I want the thing that tastes the most like apple juice. Like, oh. <laughs> so do you just go for ciders? Mostly? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, not a diss, but just like yeah, not, not your my thing. thing. But super unique though, like sure. way to be different. So tell me about that winery. I'm interested in it now. Um. Like where it is? Or yeah, like where it is and what the experience was like. It's in Laporte, Minnesota. Oh. It's it was really nice. They had live music and an art fair. It was kinda like oh. like a destination y like one a place for people to go when they have cabins and it's rainy and there's like you wanna get out and do something on a Saturday. So super fun. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So we've mentioned I guess we've talked a lot about wine so far. Can you kind of talk about how you decided to become a sommelier and am I saying that correctly? Yeah, well, he pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> uh, I would say I would say as close as it can get without using the correct French pronunciation, which is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like as I'm incapable, not that I won't try, but <laughs> uh, yeah. So I became a sommelier, is how you say it. Um, a little different accent. There. Yeah, I feel like I enunciated the wrong, like put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, um, if if you like wine, you probably know that there's a documentary on Netflix called Som, S O M M. It's a really really cool hour long documentary about advanced sommeliers, which is the third of four levels, becoming master sommeliers, which is the fourth of the four levels, um, and their journey and what they had to go through and learn and all of the studying that they had to do in order to get to that fourth level, which is a master sommelier. Um, and I watched that with my buddy Chandler. We went to college together, became best friends. Um, and we watched that together in 2013, early 2013, when it first came out. And we both watched it in silence. We didn't say a word to each other. And then when it was over, we looked at each other and we were like, yup, how are we going to do that? <laughs> so uh, we got to studying and oh my gosh, we probably hung out once or twice a week um just to like reconvene and study and drink wine and and talk about what we've learned throughout the week uh we probably met like once or twice a week for the next uh maybe 11 months to a year before we had an exam and with the sommelier exams you have to be present where the master sommeliers are at the time there were less than 220 in the entire world in all of history um so you have to go to where they are luckily they were in atlanta at the time um, so we took the test, he passed his sommelier exam and I failed it. So the way it works with the program is you have to wait 90 days before you take the next, next exam. Oh. Um, so when you take the next exam, um, it's a, like a reduced price, but it's the same exact exam. Um, so I went from failing it in April, uh, 2014 to passing it top of my class of 70 people um, in July of 2014. 
Uh, so I studied my butt off, needless to say, for those for the next uh, three months. So do they make you wait 90 days because they don't want you to like cram per se? Or like, why do they make you wait 90 days? That is something that's always been a mystery to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe they want you to like get better at it and not just have a lucky test and just yeah. do it again. Maybe they want you to improve. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, 90 days. What does the testing process entail? It's so much fun. So it's two days long. <laughs> it's two days long. And you go through this whole process of like tasting wines. You have the, the way that it's formally done um, to test for sommelier exams is you have three reds and three whites in front of you and you blind taste them. And you're supposed to evaluate your guesses based on the way you see it, the way you smell it, and uh, the way it tastes. Um, you're supposed to guess a uh, year, subregion of what country, grape varietal, and what the climate was like and what the soil was like. And it's like a grid that you have to go through and um, kind of name all of those things and take your best guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main part of the exam, the main thing in the exam, really what you're tested on um, at the first level is what's called theory. And that's like grapes, regions, subregions, history, like what belongs to what country, what uh, what soils or what uh, climates belong with which subregions and just history and topography and about the grapes themselves and um, just general knowledge. And it's in a test form, 70 questions. So anything you could possibly need to know or anything, anything random about wine. There's no guidelines at all. Okay. It's crazy how like the different soils and the different regions uh, like play on the type of wine that it is or Mm -hmm. affect what like the taste and everything like you could say oh this wine's from France and like you just assume you know like oh this is a French wine but Mm -hmm. there's so many different regions in France or in Spain or whatever country that Mm -hmm. the wine in northern Spain is totally different from the wine in the south of Spain and I'm just like making this up but I went to, I was in Paris like a year and a half ago and we did this wine museum tour where we got to like touch the different soils and like feel what they like, okay, well this wine would be, these types of grapes would be grown in this soil. And yeah, it's fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite things to hear when it comes to wine is when somebody says that they don't like a certain type of wine or a certain grape varietal. I love hearing that because I'm like, I take it as a challenge. I say, you know, I really like, I really like really dry, like California cabs, but I really don't like Merlot at all. And I'm like, okay, so let's back up a second. I could get you a Merlot right now that you would absolutely adore just based on what you told me right now. Um, And so, yeah, you just, you just know the climate, you know, I'm sorry, not the climate. You just know the, the soil type and what it kind of is like from certain countries. So if they want, if they wanted a dry Cabernet type wine and they said they don't like Merlot, well, I would go to Bordeaux and on the right bank of Bordeaux, that's where they grow mostly Merlot and the soil is pretty much all gravel. And so it, it just yields this incredibly dry tannic uh, red wine. That's very similar to something that they would like. So that's just one, one example of, you know, gazillions. And uh, that's my favorite thing. When they say, I don't like this kind of wine, I'm like, okay, challenge time. So I need a real-time recommendation then because I have an old coworker who loves Pinot Noir from Oregon. I can't tell you from where, but she has like subscriptions to wineries out there, um, but hates Merlot. Could you recommend a Merlot for her? Recommend a Merlot for her. Okay. Um, I would say if she likes Pinot, Pinot is a very delicate, light-skinned red wine. Um, and it really just varies. And if she's talking about Oregon, I 90% chance she's talking about the talking about the Willamette Valley. And there, there is kind of a limited amount of sunlight, so it's not quite as sweet. So I would probably go with the Merlot from somewhere in like I don't know, maybe the northern part of wine country in California, um, where there where the mountains that are oriented north to south kind of block the sunlight that's east to west. Um, and it's just kind of more like a subtle type Merlot. So maybe like a Mount Helena or something like that. Interesting. I believe you. I have no way. I'm going to actually ask her to try that. And it's just in the Willamette Valley. Wow. On your vacation? Yeah, in Oregon. And we didn't go to any wineries, but I really wish we would have. 
Cool. <laughs> Good story. I would more I would more recommend your friend instead of uh, wanting to try Merlot. I would recommend that she venture more into the Washington uh, Pinot Noirs. Okay. Because if you think about it. Oregon and California, those north to south uh, mountains that limit the sunlight that I just talked about. Um, in Washington, they're west to east oriented, so it maximizes the sunlight. So if she likes Pinot, those are going to be like the most flavorful Pinots she'll ever have. Okay. It, it kind of drains the moisture and like therefore has more of a sugar ratio and more of a flavor ratio. I will tell her and report back. Tell her. All right. I, I could talk for days about this. <laughs> so how do you feel about wineries here in Minnesota then? Like what? <laughs> the big smirk on his face. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a good question. Because, I mean, there's some that grow grapes and, and make all different kinds of wine. And then there's, like I just said, the Forest Edge Winery where they don't make wine out of grapes. So... Yeah, it's probably not as good as Oregon and Washington and other countries. <laughs> I'm assuming. I like to I like to take a positive approach when it comes to wine, so I'll never like bash a certain winery or a certain vineyard or region or anything like that. But what I will say is I don't think that Minnesota, it's not. It's just not. It's a fact. It's not an ideal place to grow grapes mm-hmm. to make wine. Um, so one thing I will say is that there is a winery, a vineyard and a winery here in Minnesota called Alexis Bailey. And Alexis Bailey has a white wine that comes from the grape Saval Blanc. And that wine is probably the best wine that's made from Minnesota. It's wonderful. Where is that located? You know, I don't know. I've been there, though. <laughs> we can Google it. Yeah, we'll look it's, it up. Yeah. Google it. <laughs> So do you have like a favorite, favorite wine or do you just like exploring new wines? Is that hard for you to answer or? That, that is hard for me to answer. Um, but what I'll say is I think my favorite bottle of wine that I've ever had um, was not because I thought the flavor was the best that I've ever had or that I enjoyed the like taste of it. Um, it was more the experience that I shared with this bottle of wine. Um, and so this was when we were, my friend Chandler and I, who he and I studied together for the first test, we shared a bottle uh, very close to when we were about to take the exam. And it was a bottle of, I'll never forget, 2004 um, Chardonnay from New South Wales in Australia. It was called McWilliams. And Chardonnay, you might, you'll, you would pour out Chardonnay and kind of see like a yellowy kind of straw color. Mm-hmm. But this was like, this was like a lighter brown. It was almost like a stained wood type color. It was insane. Um, and that just comes from how long it was aged and the process that it was made in. Um, but we just found the wine so interesting and maybe not the best wine we ever had, but we just found it so interesting that we just shared a moment that night. And uh, that's probably my favorite bottle I've ever had. And inside my uh, framed sommelier certification at my house, I kept that cork from that night because it's just... That memory was wonderful. That's what I think of when I think of all the hard work that I put in to getting that certification. Very cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So are you a level one? Yeah, exactly. Do you ever plan on trying to move up levels? Are you content with level one? I'm not content with level one. Oh. Absolutely. Um, I would like to get to, and I know this sounds kind of like getting an 89 in a class, like so close. But I would like I would like to be, get a level three. I would like okay. to get all the way to the advanced sommelier level. Um, and the reason for that is that's where I would feel like I've totally accomplished everything that I want to accomplish in the world of wine. Um, but getting to that master level, I mean, go watch this documentary if you haven't seen it. Some on Netflix. It's still there. It just takes so much dedication and so much of your time and of your days that I mean I would absolutely have to neglect my wife and my family and and I would have to like come together with a group of people studying for the same exam and that would probably require moving temporarily to another state and it would just be impossible without that support uh so I don't think I'd ever want to do that in my life but I'd like to get to the third level okay are you actively working on that yep I am actively working on that but I haven't scheduled my second exam yet so you're just studying still okay yep very cool so do you see that as like a potential career no or is it just like a hobby 
yeah, it's just a hobby. I, I don't know That's why. That's awesome. I don't know. I just don't. I just see it as a as a hobby, something fulfilling for myself. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like everyone is pursuing their passions and like it's the millennial thing to take on this new career path that no one like has ever done before. And you're turning your hobby into hobby into a career. Mm -hmm. And but it's also I mean, it's cool just to have it on the side. Like it's just your thing you're passionate about. And like you can have multiple of those. Definitely. And I guess it's probably less stressful if it's not like your job. You can just enjoy it. But Mm -hmm. What do you do for work right now that you are so passionate about? So so I work for a company called CH Robinson, um, which is a third-party logistics company. Um, and if you don't know what logistics is, it's basically, this is the way that I always explain logistics. Uh, you order a package on Amazon and it gets to your house in two days. What happened in between? Like mm-hmm. who touched that package? Who planned for that to get to your house? In what way? That's logistics. Um, but then what I do is on a larger scale. So when I started at Robinson, I'll tell you the short story. Um, I worked in account management and I worked on a lot of the Tesla loads. So Tesla was my main account and they were my only account. Um, and what I did was I brought all of their supplies from their suppliers in Mexico and the United States and little parts of Canada uh, to their capital in California so that they could build all the Model 3s. And so that's what I did uh, for a couple of years. But now what I do is I teach logistics. So I have a few classes that I teach. Uh, the main one is for the new hires. So when we get new people into the company, I'll teach them whether they're carrier representatives or sales executives. Um, and then the other classes, classes that I teach are building effective presenters, which is really fun. And then I teach a new customer relationship management tool. Um, so just basically, I'm a teacher, but in business, and it's really fun. Would you have ever pictured yourself as a teacher? Yeah, I think up? so. Yeah. I think so. I kind of always thought about that, um, but I don't know. I just, I thought that, you know, nothing against teachers. I mean, teachers are the most wonderful people in the world, but like, um, I just thought that if I went into business, um, I could eventually get to a place where I'd be paid more than I could as a teacher. Um, And that was my first thought going into it. Mm -hmm. But if I could go back, I'd probably consider teaching more strongly. Um, But I wouldn't change a thing at this point because I love what I do in, in my business. So cool. that is like genius for a business to have that as part of like an onboarding process, mm-hmm. because I worked for a fleet management company where it's like similar to logistics where it's like, okay, how do individual companies get their the things that they have from point A to point B, like they need vehicles and trucks and um, this company did like the leasing and financing for the vehicles and then like the like software to manage the vehicles. And I had no idea what it was going into the company and like working in PR communications for them. Like it was pretty important for me to know like what the company did. And I, it took me like months to figure it out. And I wish someone would have just like given me a crash course in what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, our trainings are, are really great. And especially the new hire training, it takes like two weeks. Um, so people fly in from all over the place and even different countries to come into this training and learn how to do their job um, in a fun way. So it's, it's really, really great. So we talked a little bit about how you grew up in Georgia. Um, would you ever move back to Georgia or are you pretty settled in Minnesota, would you say? Yeah, you know, I've always thought about moving back to Georgia, um, but I don't know. Just my family's here now and yeah. Camille's family is here. Um, and it just wouldn't make sense at this point in my life. But um, I've always thought about moving back there because, you know, all my friends are there. And um, well, not all my friends. I have lots of friends here in Minnesota. Shout out to my friends in Minnesota. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's just where I feel more at home down there in Georgia. Um, so I've thought about it, but I think that I'm growing in the idea that Minnesota is my home. So if I were to place a bet on it, I would say probably not. Okay. Yeah. What is the biggest difference between living in Georgia and living in Minnesota besides winter? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the the winter is the thing, right? Um, besides that, though, um, there's just the difference between little bugs in Minnesota, <laughs> like mosquitoes and little ants and yeah. stuff like that. And in Georgia, we're talking like... Not a lot of critters, but when you do see one, it's like a black widow or a brown recluse Ugh. or a snake or like stuff like that. 
or like a scorpion like that's what you find in georgia but not often but then here it's like all the time 100 percent of the time you're slapping your neck on for mosquitoes mm-hmm. you know yeah. that's the that's the difference in actually living and you notice that I'm sure because, yeah, mosquitoes we just have learned to deal with. But I don't know which one I'd want more is like infrequent deadly spiders or uh, very frequent mosquitoes. <laughs> I feel like it's the same. Like they balance each other yeah. out because I think they do. the dangerous ones, like you're still going to be on edge all the time. Like you're not going to be slapping your neck and like looking for mosquitoes, but you're still going to be on the lookout because... Th- it's deadly yeah (laughs) that's a good point yeah i remember one time uh, i was walking i was walking down the sidewalk towards my friend's house this was i think i was probably like 15 with my buddy henry and we were walking towards his house and i walked between a light post like a light pole and one of those like green electrical boxes and i walked right through a spider web that had a banana spider if you don't know what that is look it up a banana spider and it it was on my face it was like on my cheek and that like started acro- uh, what is it called arachnophobia for me like i was just instantly afraid of spiders are, th- are those like poisonous and dangerous i don't think banana spiders are poisonous but if you're if you look it up you'd probably scream it's like super Ugh. scary they're just really? giant and they have like they have two legs going to this diagonal way and two legs that way and two legs going each way down and they're just like big and yellow and oh yeah exactly she just looked it up holy cow yep yep on the face gross (laughs) (laughs) and they're like the size of like if you open your hand they're like the size of your palm they're enormous i'm like cringing yeah no thanks (laughs) that's the big difference interesting yeah something i wouldn't have thought of (laughs) what about like cultural differences like were you old enough or you were pretty little when you moved back there or moved to there from minnesota but did you notice any like oh this is different from what i'm used to you know that's a good question um not really like a lot of people describe like minnesota nice and southern hospitality and whatever but i think it's just all the same Mm -hmm. i really do i think minnesota nice is the same thing as southern hospitality um I've noticed that in both places, Minnesota and Georgia, people are always really nice or usually really nice and just welcome you into their homes and into their families with open arms and everybody wants to be friends. And that's just what I found in my experience. So, no, I don't think there's much of a difference at all, honestly. Interesting. Yeah. So easy transition then. <laughs> easy transition when it comes to the people, but that winter is is where I, <laughs> where I cry myself to sleep. <laughs> especially especially with so you so you know that i like disc golf yeah right so especially with that i mean that's like i mean six months of winter in minnesota is 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 such a it's such like a like i don't know it's it's a it's a weight on my shoulders when it comes to the fact that i i long to get better at this sport yeah i mean we talked earlier um we had a listener question in a previous episode in the winter about like seasonal depression because like you are limited on what you can actually do Mm -hmm. like it winter stops your life in some respects (laughs) absolutely it really does how did you get into disc golf oh so i got into disc golf um actually in 2010 um when camille taught me to play um she took me to ala magnet which is a course a 12 hole course very small in apple valley um and she brought me there because she was like, hey, there's a sport called Frisbee golf and it's really fun. Um, let's go. And I was like, great. That sounds like something I'd like to do. And uh, little did she know she created a monster. I was going to say, does she regret yeah. that now? Wow. I think she might, honestly. Because <laughs> after that, it was like three or four rounds a week, every week for the next eight years of my life. Seriously. <laughs> I've, I've, I've started to slow down on how much I play this past year. Uh, just because things are getting a little bit more uh, busy with my new job and with the house and um, that kind of thing. But So we actually, Camille, we saw Camille last night at book club um, and she was like talking about how you were coming over and she's like, so make sure and ask him about disc golf, but don't be scared about cutting him off after a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely being a little bit reserved. <laughs> even more than wine is like, I could, I could just talk about disc golf forever. Seriously, it's, it's it's probably my favorite thing to do, I would say. 
So what is the disc golf community like here? It's it's second to none in Minnesota. Um, we've got a really tight-knit community. Um, and there are like, I'd be willing to guess there are a hundred courses, um, in like Southern Minnesota, like just a huge, 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 uh, disc golf population and a great community. And we're probably in the top two, if not the top state when it comes to disc golfers per capita. Um, so it's just second to none here in the state. So is this like a hobby or do you like play on teams or I know nothing about this. So it's an individual sport, a lot like golf. Yeah. Um, in the way that you're just playing yourself against other players, um, but there are like sig- sanctioned tournaments in the same way. There's a P- PGA, which is Professional Golf Association. Mm-hmm. There's a Professional Disc Golf Association, which I'm part of, and I play tournaments all the time, and I, I really enjoy it. I've been doing it for the last three years or so, and uh, next year will be my first um, professional year. So I'll be playing as Ooh. a as a real pro. I feel like we need to get his autograph before he leaves in case he gets, <laughs> hits it big. I assume, I also don't watch the PGA, but I assume there are like cash prizes and like that's a lucrative thing. Is this potentially a lucrative endeavor or disc golf I don't think is quite as popular as golf, but I'm not sure. Uh, actually. Louis <laughs> <laughs> <Emily's> like, idiot. <laughs> no, I don't know either. It's a valid question. <laughs> Uh, uh, disc golf, disc golf is not as popular as golf and it is not as lucrative as golf. Um, any disc golfer that's passionate about it, their first instinct is to be like, it's just as good and everybody plays and whatever, but it's, it's not on the caliber of golf. It's really not. Um, so I would say, I don't know, let's take a wild guess and say that 200 people in the world make a good living off of being professional golfers. Mm -hmm. There's probably like... 10 people in the world that make a really good living off of disc golf. Okay. Um, and I could probably name those people, but I, you don't know who they are, so I won't bore you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, for me in particular, um, I don't think I'll ever make it uh, so high in the professional field to make it uh, like a lucrative uh, thing where I can live off of that. Um, but I, I did start with one of my buddies, a um, disc golf video coverage company where we cover some of the professional tournaments in the world, some of the more well-known tournaments. Um, and that's called par save productions. Uh, we have that on, on YouTube and it's, it's really, it's really a good time. Um, but that would be if anywhere where there would be some money, honestly, because if I'm not in the top 20 in the world, I'm just really not making that money. Interesting. What do they say? Like, the golf course is the new conference room or like that's where you oh right see it like what i'm disc golf is the new the new <laughs> business i don't know <laughs> place to do be. business <laughs> yeah I think, yeah i think i think a lot of uh i think a lot of salespeople take their potential yes. customers out or their current customers who they could do more business with mm-hmm. take them out to the golf course and um that's where they show them a good time show them a good time <laughs> Yeah, schmooze them. Not my idea of a good time, but secure some business, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At my last company, I had a friend that we always talked about how we needed to learn to play golf because that's where people went with clients. But I just left that company instead of learning to play golf. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> the alternative. Yeah, I, I wish. I mean, I've I've taken like my team, my work team, out to play, but I've never taken like a customer out to play. Yeah, or like that. It's never happened. I feel like be fun but do people golf clap when they watch disc golf or do you not uh bring a crowd usually <laughs> <laughs> they, they do um there are galleries just just like in golf and they they clap at a respectable uh like <laughs> noise level yeah so there's like kind of golf clapish kind of things um but yeah uh sometimes sometimes like um even players that are not well known, they'll have like their parents or their significant others out there to watch them play. So there's usually a lot of people um, on the field when there are tournaments, and then when there's like the final nine holes and it's just the lead card, then everybody will kind of watch that lead card and follow them around. So it's kind of like a gallery. Um, switching gears to your other hobby, which I'm realizing now you don't really take any hobbies lightly. I don't. You're a man of many passions, yeah. and many talents. I was like, wow, I should probably like 
get some passions about <laughs> something. But um, I also know that you're passionate, pretty passionate about music, right? I am, definitely. And you do some songwriting and you sing yes. and you play at least the guitar. Mm-hmm, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you play other instruments? Yeah, yeah. I play piano um, and I play ukulele. Um, and then a lot of like miscellaneous instruments like to add in like a harmonica or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Is there anywhere that people could find your music if they wanted to check it out? Ooh. Um, well, you, yes we- and no. <laughs> yes and no. Um, I've got some really embarrassing YouTube videos um, that I, I won't I won't put the plug in. For. Okay. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure if you look up my name, you could probably find them. Um, and then I also I also just recently started an Instagram that is really terrible at the moment, but it's basically just of me singing. Oh, um, and yeah, I have like less than a hundred followers <laughs> so far. But um, no, not really, to be quite honest. Um, if you want to hear a little, maybe taste of what I sound like, you could go to like Richie Ortiz American Idol audition or something like that. For a limited time, because I'm so embarrassed about it that I'll probably take it down soon. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if it's up. <laughs> okay. Why are you embarrassed by it? I don't know. It's kind of like a weird thing to have auditioned for something with a video, but then not gotten that um, callback, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like it was vulnerable and then like... Yeah. 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 So tell us about the process. Like, what made you want to try out for American Idol? Oh, sure. Um, so I did it this last year just through video because I couldn't make it to any of the mm-hmm. actual cities that were hosting auditions. Um, but I tried out in 2010 and 2011 for American Idol um, in Nashville in 2010 and in Charleston, South Carolina uh, for in 2011. And the process is really, really long and kind of grueling um it's a three-day process the first day you're basically standing in a line that takes anywhere from like nine to 13 hours to go through this line because there are so many people auditioning um i think in nashville that first year that i auditioned there were sixteen thousand people auditioning just at that one facility i stood in line actually i stood in line with somebody who made it pretty far um, in 2010, our name was Lauren Elena. Uh, she got second place in 2010, lost to Scotty McCreary. Um, and they just announced her for Dancing with the Stars. Oh, really? She's going to be on the new season. Yeah, that's awesome. She was my friend until she got famous. And then she said that she's not my friend anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you sit in line for like 13 to 16 hours. I feel yes. like that's like bonding you for life. I was in line with her for probably 10 hours. And we were just sharing our lives and singing for each other and becoming friends. And I, I remember I told her very specifically, you are absolutely going to be in the top 10 this year. Like 100%. I full heart, wholeheartedly believe that. And she was like, no way. You're crazy. You're going to be a blah, blah, blah. No, you are. And then she made it to second place. So you were right. I was right. <laughs> That's right. I think she owes her career to me, honestly. <laughs> we'll wait for the next song that's a tribute to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lauren Elena, if you're listening, uh, I'll, uh, I'll accept Venmo and PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> so after you wait in this long line, what yeah. happens? So after you wait in the super long line, it's just a line to get a wristband. That's it. Like, that's the first day. <laughs> you wait in line to get a wristband, and that wristband will have... A time of day on it um, every 15 minutes I think so I think my audition was like 9 15 a.m. two days later or something like that you have to show your ID you have to sign a few waivers um, and then finally they give you the wristband and then you just kind of hang out until your audition so did you send a video in before standing in that line or was that just you just show up and stand in line I just showed up and okay. stood in line yeah but then when I actually auditioned for it it was in this big stadium and it was set up with like 16 different tables. And at each table, there were like those golden tickets, I guess you could say. Um, and it wasn't like the like famous judges. It yeah. was, I think it was just either producers or maybe just people who worked on set that may have like gotten the job to be the auditioners or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what you do is they call you up in groups of four 
and you stand in line in front of them and they point at you and you sing for like three or four seconds and then they let go and then they point at somebody else that sing for three or four seconds and then after all four people sing then they either say thank you we'll see you next year or they give a golden ticket to somebody three or four seconds seriously like that's all i got and this was that that same thing happened both 2010 and 2011 so like you start singing and then they raise their hand and say thank you next person interesting wow all that time the travel and all the time waiting in line just to go three or four seconds and that first year i didn't know that i was only going to get that small amount of time so the song that i picked i was like okay the good part is like 10 seconds after i start right that was not soon enough so i don't know it's it's kind of a weird process so you said this year you did a video audition yeah so do you know how they judge those or is that kind of a mystery yeah um i don't really know how they judge those uh, what I do know is um, I was contacted by one of the producers about my video and it seemed like I was going to get a call back. But what they were really more interested in was I mentioned my dog in the in the introduction to my video. I, I auditioned. It was a video in the car and I mentioned that I had to sing in the car because I had a puppy that every time I sang, he would bark at me. Okay. So... Um, this lady, I forgot her name. Um, she reached back out and I thought she was going to offer me uh, a second audition, but she wanted me to submit another audition video of the dog barking at me as I sing. Cause she thought that would be super funny to put like in the highlights or mm-hmm. something. So if you look up like Richie Ortiz, American Idol audition, you'll find that video where Clark is, Clark is my dog. He's like ferociously barking at me because he doesn't like it when people sing. <laughs> Your biggest critic. Seriously. <laughs> He's like, you suck, dad. You're the worst. <laughs> Sing something else, dad. <laughs> That's so interesting because I've watched American Idol probably since the first season. I mean, I've skipped a few here and there over the years, but the last two years I like religiously have watched American Idol. Mm-hmm. And I feel like since it switched to ABC, they've been, they focus a lot more on the people's backstory. And so that's probably why they would want like, to maybe get like a story out of that Mm -hmm. because even the people who don't go very far they've made like a big deal about like their life or their family just to like get that like feel good story yeah right yeah yeah i think that's really important also i don't i think if you don't have a good story um if you pass that first audition then they won't really consider you all that much do you watch american idol then or is it a little like salt in a wound you know, it's not actually salt in a wound, but I just didn't watch it this year. Okay. Um, but I usually do watch it. Uh, this year, I kind of felt like I was a little bit late, and so I didn't want to just like jump in on mm-hmm. it, and I just never actually watched it this year. But I did see like some auditions and some performances uh, on YouTube, and some of the some of the people this year were incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Emily and I actually went to American Idol live last year, <laughs> and we sat next to Maddie Poppy's principal. <laughs> Her high, high school, school principal. <laughs> oh. So. Who was the winner of American Idol last year. <laughs> we felt cool. Although, yeah. I I don't think they do that anymore because it was a very, like, there was not a lot of people in the audience and it was a very, like, low-budget production. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, they just had, like, people on the stage and pretty much nothing else. Chris Allen was, like, the headliner, like, with all the people from the actually American Idol. Who is Chris Allen? Oh, why do I, why he was I... American Idol winner season something. Oh, did um, did Adam Lambert lose to him? Am I am I or am I crazy? Is that like totally different? Is I can look different it up. Here? Let's fact check that. Fact check. <laughs> Let me get rid of this banana spider picture on my phone. Oh my gosh. Adam Lambert was in his season. Yeah. You are correct. Awesome. <laughs> Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Do you have any favorite judges? throughout the years any favorite judges um i think one of my favorite judges was probably steven tyler um (laughs) and not because i thought he was like a great judge but because he said so many things that were either like oh no or so many things that were like um what you just said was not constructive at all. <laughs> so I don't know. I just I always I always had a laugh when Steven Tyler would put in his two cents because I just I don't know. I thought it was 
kind of pointless <laughs> every yeah. time he said something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I watch any of the seasons with Steven Tyler. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess if I ac- had to actually really answer that, like who was my favorite judge, it was probably Randy Jackson. Yeah. Uh, from way back in the day, because if he liked you, he would just have so much, um, just so much pos- so many positive mm-hmm. things to say, and he would be passionate about his. Uh, response and he would be really complimentary and then offer some advice whatever and just just so knowledgeable but then if he didn't like it he would just say like that's gonna be enough for me dog <laughs> the <laughs> iconic line that was so <laughs> spot on <laughs> it's so good <laughs> that's kind of how i feel like lionel richie is right now yes like he's like it feels like he's your dad. Like he's in your corner when he likes you. Like he goes up and gives people hugs. Like you're gonna go far, kid. Like I like become a huge Lionel Richie Same. fan just from watching him on American <laughs> Idol because he's so great. He's just like makes you feel good. That's awesome. Related to American Idol, but on a different network. You've also auditioned for The Voice, right? I have auditioned for The Voice. Yeah, and that's another two times. Okay. How is that different or the same? Oh my gosh. The voice is so much different to audition for. So first of all, you also wait in a really long line, but it's probably closer to like six hours. So not quite as long. I think they have more cities where they actually conduct auditions um, than American Idol. So that's probably why that's the case. But you just wait in line for a long time. And the really cool thing, and the thing that I appreciate as a singer is that they actually give you enough time to sing whatever you want to sing. They won't actually cut you off, which is really, really nice. So usually they'll, they'll preface an audition. You'll, you'll be waiting in line and you'll probably, you'll go into a room with like maybe 16 different people and then you'll each get a chance to sing and they kind of preface it like, okay, let's not sing an entire song, but maybe if you want to sing like a verse and a chorus or something like that, go ahead. We're not going to stop you, but let's not like sing a whole song. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's perfect. A verse and a chorus is absolutely enough for an audition. And so I really appreciate that. Um, I didn't make it on The Voice either, um, but at least I felt like I had a fair shot. Um, so I, I really enjoyed auditioning for The Voice. And if I, w- if I am going to audition again for either of the two shows, it's probably going to be The Voice, not only because I like it more, but also, I'm pretty sure that 28 is the last year that you can audition for American Idol. So I think this is my last year. I didn't realize you could age out of American Idol. Pretty sure you can. That was, that for sure 100% was a rule. I don't know if it's still in place, though. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. it is because they're moving towards the, that like younger mm-hmm. generation. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, I think 20 or 19 was how old Lane Hardy is yeah. and then Maddie Poppy was only 20 or 21 so we're getting old but they <laughs> used to let older people try out didn't they because you guys remember the viral like pants on the ground oh, audition yeah. <laughs> right. that was like an older guy I guess but yeah. maybe I don't know maybe they just let him audition I don't know maybe we just thought he was old because we were younger maybe that's true maybe if we watched him now he wouldn't actually be well, remember that Taylor Hicks one? Oh, earlier? yeah. Yeah. So that I think I that him. rule must have been that rule must have been put into place like yeah. in the fourth or fifth year mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's true. Because Ruben Stuttered might have been older than twenty eighteen. Oh, sure. yeah. I think he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, good point. But interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you meet any cool people auditioning for The Voice? For The Voice, um, not really. Uh, I didn't meet any like either famous people or people that made it far or anything like that. But. Um, Let's see. Camille stood in line with me the whole time, pretending she was going to audition, going through the whole process. <laughs> like she got a number and everything? Everything. She waited in the whole line, the whole process. And then it was like a big line that was like six hours and you had to wait in like these chairs for like an hour. And then they brought you into the room. And Camille went all the way to when she was about to be pulled into the room. And then she just pretended to be like super nervous. So she left, but she never had any <laughs> intention on auditioning. It was super funny. She just wanted to stand in line with me. Oh, it was sweet, but it was hilarious (laughs) when she was telling the person that was like, you can't go this way. She was like, yeah, but I'm super nervous and I'm not going to audition. So I need to leave. (laughs) I could have also seen her like roll it going with the flow. Like if they would have forced her into the room being like, "Okay, bye. Like (laughs) just uh. what if they would have been like, no, you have to go in. You have to audition. You've made it this far. I feel like she could roll with it. 
<laughs> I think I think we had a plan for that actually. I don't remember what it was, what song it was, but I think we had a plan that she would sing like just some dumb song and for sure not get in, mm-hmm. um, so that she <laughs> oh. wouldn't have to actually try. Yeah, I don't know, like Itsy Bitsy Spider or something. Like that. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, it was something like that. Have you had any favorite voice judges? Oh, any favorite voice judges? Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Christina Aguilera, actually. <sighs> And Love like, her. I'm not going to say that I know all of her songs, um, but, or even like a lot of her songs, honestly. Yeah. But I'm such a fan of her voice. I think she's probably like, at least in the top three most talented female vocalists out there. Yes. So I would say just based on that, she's probably my favorite, but I've always loved uh, Blake Shelton also Yeah. Like, as a judge on that show. Um, because he just, I love how much he gloated about, um, how often he won the show with, (laughs) with his people. I love the dynamic of the judges on The Voice. It's like my favorite. Although Adam Levine just announced that he's not coming back. Oh, wow. So I don't know how much that'll change, but. What's he doing instead? Living, I don't know. Living the dream. Yeah. (laughs) Figuring out how to spend his money. Yeah. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I could see him like at his kitchen table, just racking his brain. How am I going to spend all this money? <laughs> the kids' college is already paid for. <laughs> I already have like forty-five houses. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do like John Legend and Kelly Clarkson on there. So I don't know. I find the dynamics on there. Mm. I enjoy that more than American Idol. But for sure, for sure. Um, speaking of reality TV, just while we're on it, I think Camille had an Instagram story about how you watched The Bachelorette. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> That's the oh note gosh, I took down. You, you brought it up. <laughs> I was uh, The whole drive here, I was like, please don't bring that up. <laughs> no, we don't I'm have to. No, I'm just kidding. But if you wanted to talk about how the season ended, <laughs> I don't know that we've done it yet on the podcast, so... For people that don't want to listen, we can fast forward five minutes. <laughs> Hannah B was also just announced in the new cast of Dancing with the Stars. Yes. So. Oh, Which makes sense because she's been posting a lot of like, well, super positive Instagram posts, but of her like dancing on a beach, like enjoying <laughs> life. Enjoying life. Showing, I don't need no man. Basically. And that is the spoiler if you didn't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've had enough time to watch if you have. If you weren't going to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So do you actually watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette? Yeah. Yeah. Like every episode for sure. (laughs) How did we not know Do you want to join or we always get together to watch it if you want to (laughs) join. Okay. So here's the situation. Here's the sitch. Okay. He's in jail, but whatever. Yeah. So my dad. Okay. My dad. This is the way we'll start the story. My dad loves watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. He loves it. So that's the reason why I watch it. I'll, I definitely am not going to blame that on the reason why I watch it because I also enjoy it, but I enjoy it because I watch it with my dad. Aww. It's kind of like it's kind of like a bonding thing for he and I, um, and we usually do it every single week. Um, sometimes I'll miss a week and then we'll have to catch up on an episode. Um, but he really enjoys watching it, uh, so that's my excuse to go hang out with him. Oh, so yeah, we watch it, and whenever it's like the bachelor and it's the guy with a bunch of girls we're always like on the edge of our seats like who do you think he's gonna who do you think he's gonna eliminate and oh my gosh like i think that uh, cassie's way better than whoever and all, all this stuff and then when it's um the bachelorette and it's the girl and all the guys we just love making fun of all the guys like not in a bad way but like why would that guy say that right now oh my gosh like, that kind yeah of so yeah we watch it. We watch it every week, and every week that I go there, um, when the season is on, uh, my dad will make some incredible meal because you know he was a chef in his earlier days, um, and he'll make some incredible meal, and we'll have some tequila and watch The Bachelor. I love that. That it's is such a great tradition. Yeah, definitely. I love it too. Um, since we know you're a musician, how did you feel about Jed's dog food commercial? I didn't see Jed's dog commercial. (laughs) How do you, okay. How did you feel about Jed singing in general? Okay. How did I feel about Jed singing in general? (laughs) Honestly. Jed, by the way, is who Hannah B picked at the end and ended up having a girlfriend the entire time. Yep. He had a girlfriend the whole time. And the whole time he was telling her that um, he's just doing the show 
because it's going to be great PR for him and it's mm-hmm. going to launch his music career. And he like kind of admitted that um, maybe like six episodes or so before the end. He kind of admitted that. Um, but then he was saying how much he fell in love with Hannah and whatever. Um, but apparently it was all the way until the end that he kept saying this. Um, and I don't know. I kind of believe it to be quite honest. I kind of believe that I believe that he really got to a point where he liked Hannah and saw like a future with her fine, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I think his intention the whole time was to either get famous or get more followers or more subscribers or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And his singing in general, I thought he was a pretty good singer. Um, I don't think he was like unbelievable should be on the top stages of the world. Um, He was okay. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, He was pretty good. I would. Yeah, I agree with all that. I don't know. I kind of thought he was annoying. His music. (laughs) Yeah, it got, I, well, it got to be a little much, but well, because he had a guitar in every scene. Yeah, <laughs> but I do think like I don't fault him for going on the show mm-hmm. to get famous because that's what people do nowadays. Like you, you go on with an open mind, but it's really just to like get Instagram followers and like maybe you'll fall in love. And I think like I believe him that he fell in love like maybe not fall in love but he like got so far into it that he just didn't know how to get out of it and he just like had to keep going because what was what else was he gonna do yeah exactly yeah i tried to like i tried to think about what it would be like to be somebody who was on the bachelorette with the intention of getting famous for music um and being in his shoes where she just kept picking him and kept picking him and mm-hmm. kept picking him and kept picking him um, and I agree with the fact that like, I mean, what are you going to do? But I think that, I think that if that were me and like I were single and I were doing it just to get famous, I think that I would reach a point of guilt long before like the last episode. Right. And I would just be like, okay, I'm literally just doing this because I want to get famous. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I could go through with like even being in the top three. Right. I think he was falling back on the fact that he didn't think she was going to pick him at the end. Like, I think he was, like, super surprised. Like, if you watch his face and his body language when she, like, tells him that it's him, Mm -hmm. he, like, is totally acting and, like, not doing a very good job at, like, seeming happy. Like, he's kind of just like, oh, yeah. 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 Whereas, like, if you watch other episodes, like, they're, like, ecstatic and, like, it's a lot different. Right. I also like, yeah, I don't fault him for going on the show because the odds are likely that you're not going to get picked. But he also could have like just like owned up to it all at the end and like walked away with like respectable and people might have been like more forgiving. I feel like if he would have just been like, yeah, I screwed up instead of still trying to like lie his way out of it. Definitely. And I feel like I feel like Hannah's in a really good spot, like after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure she's I'm sure she's just living her best life right now. No problem. She's a strong woman. Um, but I think she also might look back and regret not picking who is it? The tall guy. Who's that tall guy? Tyler. Tyler. Because mm-hmm. Tyler was Who's dating <laughs> Gigi Hadid now. Right. Oh, I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. But Tyler was kind of a gem, right? Like uh-huh. He was like a mm-hmm. super nice guy and she kind of had it made with him. He was. Yeah. He really liked her a lot. Do you um, have a hope for the next Bachelor? Who it's going to be? I, I, I kind of hoped it was Tyler, but I mean, I don't know if this whole Gigi thing is going to affect that. I don't think I don't think it's going to be him. I think okay. right now it's between Mike Johnson. Who okay. I, lo- I loved Mike. Peter. And some people are saying Derek Peth. Um, um, yeah. Who was engaged to Taylor for a long time. <laughs> He's on Bachelor in Paradise right now. I'd be pretty cool with Peter, honestly. Peter is. A, I would too. Yeah, yeah. I like Peter's Peter. a good guy. He was the pilot. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think I'd be fine with all the mm-hmm. either of those three. Yeah, yeah, either of them. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick, I would say I, I just liked Peter. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know Derek was in the running until someone just had an Instagram post like "vote for Derek" or something. Not that anyone actually votes, but yeah, they're. I think it to- was Chris Harrison's girlfriend put out like a Twitter oh. post and it blew up. So. Lauren and Zima. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the day for Chris Harrison to be like, and the new bachelor is me. 
<laughs> no, he's got a serious girlfriend that he oh, loves. He oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> they were both just on Nick Vial's podcast, if you're curious and want to listen to it. <laughs> but no pressure. <laughs> podcast plug to another podcast. Great. I know. Should I take that out? I don't know. It's a good <laughs> podcast. We don't talk that much about The Bachelor, so. <laughs> but, well, we're glad you watch. I do, yes, but I don't know if I would make it to your bachelor watching parties. That's okay. You have to hang um, out with your dad yeah. and that's yeah. totally your own traditions. But what we could special. totally do is for sure like text each other while we're watching. <laughs> yes. And be like, wow, I can't believe that dude just said that right now. Okay. Yeah. We I'm do good. have a text group called Bachelorette Ladies. That yeah. We, oh. When we're not together, that's ba- where we put our commentary. Group texting. Yeah. It's called Bachelorette Ladies? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, so I can't be a part of it. Though. Well, well we, we can change we it. We can change it. Yeah. You could do Bachelor Ladies plus one or something yeah. like that. <laughs> there we go. Plus Richie. Plus <laughs> Richie. I would totally be a part of that. <laughs> one of the last things I kind of wanted to ask you about was Cheersbro Beer Show. Oh, the beer show. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and how it got started? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, being a sommelier, uh, I've always like loved the idea of reviewing wine, um, but I don't know. Um I think that wine is more of like a, like a pleasure to enjoy at my table kind of thing for me and um, a way to like bond with people over a bottle of wine. But then beer is just like, it's just so much of like, a, how can I describe it? Like a, like a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started experimenting, trying like all different beers. So I would never get the same beer if I went to uh a new place that had a beer that I haven't had yet. I would always order that new beer to try it out. And then I just started taking pictures of these beers and I was like, okay, I'm just going to put them on my Instagram uh, because, hey, everyone, and on my Instagram, this was a great beer. You should try it out. And then I was like, okay, I might as well just make an Instagram dedicated to beer. Um, so I started that. I don't even know how long ago, not that long ago. Um, but yeah, called the Cheers Bro Beer Show. And it's been super fun i basically just post pictures i'm not a photographer by any means but i try to take pretty pictures of the beers that i have and um i talk about what they are and why i like them and it's usually just short and sweet and to the point um and there are a couple videos also the this is the same cheers bro beer show on youtube there's just two videos right now where i make up drinking games and (laughs) and i invite my friends and and we uh go through these drinking games and it's usually a really fun time I loved the drunk dial. Is that what it was called? Yeah, that was the first episode. Because I thought it was super entertaining, but I probably would never do that (laughs) because I would just be way too scared to have to call someone like random from high school or... Oh, for sure. It was kind of nerve wracking, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was the, the flip phone. I invited my buddy Devin over and we just switched phones and we had... Um, three pints of beer on each side um, and we would just like literally scroll through the other's person other person's phone and then just land on a contact and call that contact and then ask them a trivia question um, and then if they got it wrong you would have to chug one of your three pints and whoever chugged all three pints first loses so it was a really fun game and yeah it, that's the fun part of it it's like oh my gosh please don't call this person yeah now like I want to now I want to <laughs> play like let's make it a thing yeah i i do but i don't like i want to watch someone else play actually (laughs) right exactly aka make another youtube video i'm going to yeah so i only have two out right now i think i just got really busy again with my new job um but yeah i have plans to make the third video soon and um hopefully i can start making more frequent videos but um the second the second episode was the punch bowl race and that just got super out of hand (laughs) but it was really fun okay so we have one last question that we ask all of our guests and that is if you had a reality show about your life what would it be called and why (laughs) that's a really good question um i would probably call it uh too many hobbies (laughs) or something like that um just because like like you said like when i when i learned that i like something I see it through until I'm as good as I possibly can be at that thing. Um, so yeah, too many hobbies. I'm stretched too thin. I know that. Uh, Camille knows that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just all the time, I'm always like trying to advance my wine knowledge, and I'm posting on the Cheers Bro Beer Show, and I'm 
playing rounds of disc golf and putting in the backyard and trying to get better at that. And, and I'm always singing and writing music and trying to collaborate with people, other musicians, sing national anthems at baseball games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it just never ends. So it would be just like a follow me type my life kind of show about I've got way too many hobbies and I just go to sleep exhausted every single day and then wake up early in the morning and yeah never a dull day seriously talk about living your best life like gotta do it now gotta do yeah. it now yeah awesome well thanks for coming on this was fun this was super fun yeah thanks for having me yeah. on the show appreciate it everyone check out cheers bro beer show on instagram and youtube thanks and what was your disc golf um youtube video oh yeah the the channel is called par save productions three okay. words par save productions perfect so check that out too we'll put that in the show notes any other places that people should find you i'll okay i'll admit the and my wife will hate that i'm gonna admit this <laughs> but i'll admit the name of my um singing instagram it's really terrible right now it's gonna get better i'm gonna start using my actual good camera soon um, but it's called Richie OC Music, R-I-C-H-I-E-O-C Music, all one word. Okay, and we'll post all of these in the show notes so that you can follow Richie and see what he's up to. Yeah. Awesome. He Thank- might be your next American Idol, so check him out. It could be possible. You never know. <laughs> More likely the voice. The oldest American Idol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Floral Couch Conversations. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Floral Couch Conversations or shoot us an email, floralcouchconversations at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, tell everyone you know, your friends, your family, and leave us a review wherever you listen. Hopefully it's five stars. And thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye.